that could ever satisfy. Through every trial, my soul will sing, no turning back. I've been set free. Christ is enough.
Well, good morning and welcome to Watershed. We're so glad you've joined us here, either in person or uh, through the live stream. We want to welcome the Newman family here for the baptism this morning. Uh, we're excited that uh, that gets to be part of our service today. And go ahead and greet each other. Uh, maybe say how you feel about snow on the ground on March 27. All right, we invite you to join us as we sing, uh, sing praises to the Lord. the prisoner 
There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's Continue worshiping with Revelation song.
words from 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25, where it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls.
Amen. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Good to be able to worship together a God who has given his life for us. And, and right now we have the privilege of being able to celebrate that truth in reality gifted to us in Christ, his salvation, his life, being brought into his family in what we call a sacrament. A sacrament is it's a sign and a seal of God's grace. It's something gifted to us that says, this is what God has done, the sacrament of baptism. And uh, so today, I'm going to ask Paul and Andrea Newman. So Andrea, you're going to have to come in, you know. (laughs) We're going to celebrate today with them. For little Robert David, or better known as Bobby. Right, buddy? Here, come on over. We got most of your pictures up there. Hey, look. Bobby, look. <laughs> Not interested. <laughs> hey, Freddie, you see your brother up there? Yeah. When you went on a trip to Florida? Florida? (laughs) So, this is what happens when Pastor Aaron asks questions. (laughs) No, baptism, though, again, is a reminder. It's it's about God's promises for us, right? You're going to make some promises today, but, but we don't anchor ourselves in our promises because, let's be honest, we're not always great at keeping them, are we? Baptism is about being anchored, though, in God's promises, right? That for Bobby, hey, buddy, yeah. For you, hey, Freddie, these promises are for you too, bud, yeah? That God loves us, right? That he loves us in Jesus. That the promise of God is that he sent his son, Jesus, 
to save us, to wash us clean by the blood of his life given for us. In baptism, he promises to forgive our sins, to cleanse us by his Holy Spirit and renew us each and every day. He also promises, as we can see together, we, we celebrate this sacrament in worship because he says, it's not just your family, even though you got a pretty big one, right? <laughs> but it's this family, the church, that we're a part of, that you're never left alone. So anywhere you go in the world, those who call on the name of Jesus are our brothers and sisters. No matter where Bobby goes in this life, there will always be brothers and sisters around you. And not only does he promise to give us his spirit daily to renew us and cleanse us, but he also promises to bring us into eternal life. So not just life here on earth, but life forever. And the symbol that we use, the sign and seal that we use in baptism is water. Because we know that water cleanses, it purifies, it refreshes. And we know that the scripture teaches us that Jesus is the water of life. Hey, Freddie. You see this? This water? Yep. We're going to put some water on your brother's head. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby loves water. Bobby loves water. We'll see how much he loves it in just a minute. Bobby takes bath. He always wants to take a bath. Yeah. Welcome to Watershed, folks. If you're not familiar with us, this is just how we roll. <laughs> okay, I got to ask mom and dad some questions a second. Can I do that? <laughs> so Paul and Andrea, at baptism, at this baptism, like you promised with Freddie, I'm going to ask you again, do you promise to instruct Bobby in the truth of God's word, in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ, do you promise to pray for him? <laughs> he really does want water. <laughs> Do you promise to teach him to pray and to train him in Christ's way by your example through worship and the nurture of the truth? If you can say so, please say we do. <laughs> yep, and now I'm going to talk to your brother, okay? Hey, Bobby. All right. Yeah. For you, little one. Jesus Christ came into the world for you. He lived and showed God's love. For you, he entered the darkness of Gethsemane and the horror of Calvary. For you, though, he uttered, it is finished. For you, he rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven. And there he, he stands on your behalf and our behalf. He's always fighting for you. Okay? And all of this was done for you, little one, before you ever even know it. You may not know it now, bud, but hopefully one day you will. And the good thing about God is it's the truth no matter what. And we will continue to tell you this truth, this good news, until it becomes your own. And so the promise of the gospel is fulfilled. We love because God first loved us. All right, little Robert David Newman. Bobby, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Hey, good job. 
and then community of Heart alike of Watershed. Uh, if you'll stand, friends, family, as I have a few questions for you. Do you promise to love, encourage, and support these brothers and sisters by the teaching of the gospel of God's love, by being examples of Christ in the Christian faith and character, and by giving the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and service? If you can say so, please say, we do. All right. So I'd like to invite family forward, and if the rest of you will stay standing and raise your hands Towards, we'll ask family come up and lay hands on as well as we pray a blessing over this family and over Bobby. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, thank you that you have forgiven us. Thank you that you have cleansed us. Thank you that you have promised to be with us through your Spirit. Thank you that you promise to bring us into eternal life. Lord, we pray for Bobby that he will come to know this goodness. Lord, that he and Freddie will know how much you love them. Lord, that you'll continue to strengthen Paul and Andrea and their entire family as they raise him in this way and that you will help us to walk with them as well. God, we know we can't do this perfectly and so we need your grace and your mercy each and every day to help us in this so that your truth may be known, so that your life may be lived and experienced in Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray and all God's children said, amen. All right. Right on. Good job. Yeah. And at this time, I want to invite the rest of our kids through third grade. Right, Lori? I got that right? Join Miss Lori over at the door. For a prayer, what's up? I'll come over with you. How's that? Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone who made it here safely, God. Please help all the children as they're going to their classes. Help them to learn more about you and have fun. We love you so much. Amen. All right. I've got one announcement to share with you uh, this week if you... Don't get our emails. We've been talking with Drew Timmer over the last uh, couple months through one-on-one conversations. I've spent probably more hours than I can count now uh, getting to know Drew. Matt and I have had the privilege of talking with him, worship teams, the opportunity to work with him, minister alongside of him. The staff has talked with him. Council has talked with him. Um, And so throughout all of that, having him join us in worship, uh, we had decided to extend an offer to him. He and his wife, Stephanie, are currently discerning that. So in that process, um, I'm thankful that they're giving time and energy and prayer um, because, you know, this is life and we're inviting them to share life with us, not just do a job for us, to be, but to be really a part of our community 
right? What we just celebrated in baptism together. So just pray for Drew and Stephanie as they discern. Pray for us as we've been in this process. And thank you for all of the input uh, the last couple times that he's come, emails that you've sent me, conversations we've been able to have. That's helpful in discerning together. So wanted to update you on that front. And then the uh, last thing is, let's pray one more time. Yeah, we're just praying all the time this morning, so <laughs> it's not a bad thing. God, uh, again, just thank you. Thank you for the beauty of the good news, the gospel that we can actually see and experience in baptism. Lord, that we're reminded in Bobby's baptism of our own, that the same truths that are there for him are truths for us. They're truths whether we even believe them or not. That is the truth. You are a God who forgives. You're a God who cleanses. You're a God who gives his presence in this world that you deeply love. You're a God who promises and, and leads us into an eternity of life, not just life on this earth, no matter how long it lasts. God, we... Uh, just continue to lean on those promises this morning. We know that in our community here and the community around us, there are needs, uh, Lord, that, are, are wrestle, that people are wrestling with, families that are wrestling with loved ones in, the, in, in, their, in their strength being left and leaving their bodies. And in the promise of eternal life needs to be anchored in being, be the hope as life on earth begins to pass. Lord, we think about those who are wondering in the midst of illness and sickness uh, as they watch life getting stripped away uh, about whether or not you're going to heal and give more years, more time for us to spend on earth before we see each other again in eternity. Lord, we, we think globally of of wars, Lord, in particular, again, what's going on in Ukraine. Lord, we think about lives, so many lives lost. All because people, Lord, can't come to a point of peace. Whenever power gets in the way, whenever our selfish ambition drives us, whenever, Lord, we fix our eyes on something other than you as Lord. God, we can't help it. It's in our DNA. That sin problem continues to exist. We dehumanize people. We degrade them in many ways, not just in war. We, we use people for our own purposes. We use people as stepping stones. We use people for whatever we choose. And we fail to see your image in them. God, in all of these things, we continue to need your truth. We continue to need you as a guide for us. We continue to need you as a guardrail to, to keep those boundaries so that, God, you protect us from ourselves as much as you lead us somewhere. And we need to be reminded over and over again of your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. Because without that, we would hope, be hopeless. We would be helpless without your love. Because where would I be if it wasn't for the cross? Where would we be, God? And so again, God, as we come into your word this morning, remind us of the truth. 
of your goodness in your life as you call us to represent you in this world. Lead us by your Spirit. God, may my words represent you well, bring you honor and glory. And in the places where they don't, God, please fill in that space for each of us so that we see you clearly. We love you, we praise you, we honor you in the name of Jesus. And all God's children said, amen. So throughout this season of Lent, this time as we prepare for uh, both Easter, um, but also the cross, Good Friday, we think about the sacrifice of Jesus. We've been journeying a little bit in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible. And we've been wrestling with what it looks like that God is actually enough for us. And that there are plenty of times in our lives where we go, enough is enough already. Amen? Right? Or we figure out our limitations. That's one of the things in Lent is we realize our humanity. We realize we have limits. But we serve a limitless God who loves us, leads us, and guides us. As we've talked about the Exodus journey of the people of Israel, we've seen that God has rescued his people. But in rescuing his people, he's also brought them into a wilderness. And why did he bring them into a wilderness? Why would he bring them into a desert? Well, we talked about last week that he's trying to create in them a dependence upon him. He's trying to develop in them the ability to trust him and lean on him and know that from him comes their daily bread, right? The things that we oftentimes bank and put our lives in, our hope on, aren't big enough to hold us. And God in his grace says, but I am, and I am for you, and I am with you. Today we come to a point, Exodus 19, where a covenant, a promise, in baptism we talk about a covenant, of God's promise to us, God's commitment to us, God's vows to us that he'd, he'd never leave us, never forsake us. That he's going to take it on himself to lead us, to love us. But in this covenant, he does ask us to represent him. He does ask us to live in a way that brings honor to him. And this is where we are in chapter 19. As I've been thinking about this this week. I've been thinking a lot too of, you know, everything from with March of Madness going on, the name image likeness stuff going on with NCAA athletes, right? They can now uh, build their brand and get paid for their brand. How many times on Instagram you see somebody's brand out there or, or even on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, you got to make sure, make sure your brand is clear as you're getting hired. Right? I, don't, I don't mind that so much in the fact that our brand is what we represent. Amen? I kind of thought, well, maybe I should just wear my Harley Davidson t-shirt this morning and then you could see which brand I represent. <laughs> Do you know there's actually a branding company called Represent? And this was used in one of their marketing uh, campaigns, Show the World What You Stand For. Right? Every day, we are showing the world what we stand for, aren't we? One way or another, how we, how we live with others, how we treat others, how we talk with others, how we, how we show up at work. We show what we stand for, and God knows this. And he invites us as people who have been loved by him, rescued by him, into representing him in this life. And so if you'll turn with me this morning to Exodus 19. Again, second book of the Bible, 
in the really, really thin part just at the beginning, okay? In Exodus 19, we hear God's word this morning. On the first day of the third month, so now they've been in the desert for over two months. On the first day of the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the, the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord, Yahweh, called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all of the nations you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. So, Moses went back and summoned the elders, the people, and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. And the people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. As I reflect on these words this morning, the first thing that comes to mind for me is this, that we are a rescued people belonging to God. Where do I see this? How does this come out of the text? Well, verse 4 tells us this, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, right? What's happened over these last couple months what happened before even this desert experience, what I did when I heard your cry in Egypt. I know it's been 400 years where you were, you were there, but I heard your cry and I rescued you, right? How I carried you on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. That before we get into God's asking us to represent him, before we get in to obey all of my laws, all of my commands, God says this. He anchors the truth, what he's going to invite us into in the reality of, I rescued you and brought you to myself. We call that grace. God's unmerited, unearned favor. God did what Israelite couldn't do, right? They were enslaved in Egypt. They had no power over Pharaoh and his armies. They couldn't fight the army that had been, as we heard a couple weeks back, running after them as they were coming up. They were stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? The Red Sea and all of the army of Pharaoh. But God goes, no, and out of all of the peoples of the world, we'll hear it again too in verse 5, you are my treasured possession. You are the people that I love. And I've rescued you. That we are an already rescued people. Not dependent upon, hey, get yourself right, get things straight, hey, why don't you clean up your act and then we'll talk. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't give commands first. He reminds them first of a truth that we are a rescued people belonging to God. Simple wondering this morning is, how does that anchor you in your day-to-day -day living? That you live in the freedom of a God who has already rescued you. 
The reality of what we see in baptism and are reminded of, of the covenant of God, is that we belong to him. We are his treasured possession. And he loves us. Well, the scripture continues. And while that is true, we are also called, right, to worship and represent God. The text continues in verse 5. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant. I want to pause there. If you obey me fully, right, I want you to follow what I'm telling you and keep whose covenant? My covenant. Not your covenant. Not necessarily even this agreed upon covenant. It's interesting in Scripture, we've got to pay attention to little words. Because sometimes little words have big meaning. When God says, my covenant, this actually brings us all the way back to the covenant he made with Abraham. And, and he did this, this thing where, where in making this promise, this legal agreement, he, instead of, he, he walks through what's called the blood path. Now, there's a whole image. We're not going to, we don't have time. That'd be a whole nother sermon. And I know you don't want to sit here for multiple sermons. I know some days you feel like you get multiple sermons anyways. Right, but Abraham is brought into a vision. There's this promise made with him, and God walks through this blood path saying, hey, this is on me. I'm doing my side. But instead of making Abraham walk through it, God goes through it again. And God goes, at the end of the day, this promise is on me, and it's on me, and it's on me. So live in light of the fact that I'm promising to give you everything, and it's always going to be on me. All I ask is live in light of that grace. Live in light of that goodness. Obey what I have, because what I have for you is for life, not for death. You're a rescued people by the way you needed rescue. And what I have for you is life. Right? This is my covenant, God says. Then what? Out of all the nations, like we heard, you're my treasured possession. Right? People are going to see this relationship we have, although the whole earth is mine. Right? God's got, his, got the whole world. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. Right? You're going to be the ones, the priests were the ones who served God and served, served the people in worship of God. They were the ones who said, hey, listen, I'm going to keep pointing you to God. A holy nation is a nation that would be set apart, representing the things of God. Worship isn't just what we do on Sunday morning, but it's how we live, how we breathe, how we give. Right? Who we are and what we represent. God goes, you're my rescued people, and so what I'm asking you, your part in this, in this deal is to represent me. To follow what I've gifted you with, my law, my life, so that you can remain in life. And you can show what real life really looks like. Just after verse 19, or chapter 19, we see chapter 20. Actually, let me jump back, because... 1 Peter picks this up. In 1 Peter 2, 9 to 12, we hear this. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. 
God's special possession. It's almost verbatim, isn't it? Right? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is our reality. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul and to live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Right? Peter reminds us again, God has rescued us. Not only has he rescued us from Egypt, he's rescued us from sin and brokenness in Christ Jesus. And he says, now live and represent me. Run away from the sin. Run away from those desires that pull you out of life. That pull the life out of you. That doesn't represent me. So, back to Exodus. In Exodus 20, does God leave the Israelites going, okay, well that's great. Now, don't sin. Uh, what's sin? Right? What is this brokenness? What are you doing? Well, God does a couple of things. He first gives them a guide, right? In the Ten Commandments, what we'll read in Exodus 20, what we'll see is that the Ten Commandments be a guide. They're a guide for life. They're a guide for a term you hear oftentimes today is human flourishing, that the God of the world that created the world knows best how humanity flourishes. Not me, myself, and I knows how best humanity flourishes, but God actually does, and he gives his commands and his laws so that what? His kingdom can be on earth as it is in heaven. That real flourishing takes place by his guiding. But the law isn't only a guide, it also becomes a guardrail. Let me tell you, one day I was thankful for a guardrail. I was riding motorcycles with my dad, my uncle, my brother. We're in Hoosier National Forest. It's a little bit of a rainy day. I know I had rain gear on because I destroyed some rain gear. Why? Because a corner, much like the one you see where that arrow is, I was heading into that corner, and, and on a motorcycle, you start from the outside and work your way in. And you kind of see it's a blind corner, don't you? Well, coming around the other way was a truck and a trailer. And that truck and trailer couldn't make the turn. They had to come into my lane in order to make a turn at just the right time I was coming into the turn. So what does Aaron need to do? Not turn into a vehicle, but you come out of a turn real quickly. And I thank God today that there was a guardrail. And I thank God that I also grew up riding dirt bikes. And there's something about dirt bikes and trees. You learn to kick the trees. By God's grace, I kicked a guardrail. Put a hole in a boot, but nonetheless, kicked a guardrail, stayed up. Here I am standing before you and didn't go over a cliff. So what does a guardrail do? Sometimes it keeps us safe from ourselves and other things going on. Right? The law reminds us that the things that aren't for us, that don't produce flourishing, actually lead us to dangerous things, can lead us into places that can take God's life for us. Those guardrails are meant to keep us even from the worst of ourselves. Right? In Exodus 20, we have what we know to be the Ten Commandments. 
And in the Ten Commandments, we see what Jesus says, that God calls us to both what? Love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. In the first commandment, God says, you're going to worship me alone, right? Who we worship. That as a rescued people belonging to God, we don't worship all kinds of other gods. We, we worship the God who saves. We worship the God who always makes that way. We sing these songs in the words that we worship with. Right? We sing to God alone. And then in the second command, we're, we're, we're cautioned about what we use and how we worship that God. What we form into images, what we bow our knees to, idolatry. Not just who we worship, but what we worship. And then God reminds us in the third commandment about his name. Right? That we represent him. So when we give our word, right, we, we give who we are and what we're about. When we use his word, his name, by the way, uh, not using God's name in vain isn't simply about, hey, don't use the name Jesus Christ is a curse word, right? Now, it's certainly true because that would be misusing what his name is all about, right? That would be like using my name as a curse word. I would hope you not do that. <laughs> but it doesn't represent me well, right? It's if we, if we decide to use Jesus' name as a magic word to somehow get what we want, right? God says, be careful how you use my name. And what you put my name to. And the fourth commandment is about Sabbath. But more than just Sabbath, it's about how we order our time and our life. Will we let God order our life? Does he know best that we might actually need rest? I know some of us want to work seven days a week. right? I know some of us can't stop. I won't ask you to raise your hand this morning. <laughs> but God said, actually, I want you to stop. By the way, the world needs a break from you as much as you need a break from the world. Right? To keep a Sabbath. But more than just simply keeping a Sabbath, do we allow him to order our time? And then finally, in the fifth commandment, we, we, we can sometimes confuse this commandment because of poor relationships with our parents and honoring them. But that's not at the heart of what this commandment is about. With our parents, they are the most natural relationship of authority, right? And when God says, honor your parents, he's teaching in us an honor and submission to authority. Because you think we're going to honor and submit to God if we can't as a, as a child to our parents, Right? So he's saying, learn to do that. Now, does that mean there aren't times where, you know what, we might need to push back at our parents because our parents always right? Oh, no, they aren't. Yes, and my children, you can hear that. I'm not always right. <laughs> right? But it's learning to honor and submit to God's authority as much as earthly authority. So this first half of the commandments is, a, is really about how we form our understanding of God, and will we honor him? Now, the next half of the commandments now are relational and how we love one another, right? The sixth commandment goes to murder, not taking somebody's life, and yet Jesus will go on further in Matthew and say, oh, by the way, though, if you think poorly of another, if you, right, how we think about each other, how we speak about one another can be like taking someone's life, right? Because we were each created in God's image, 
And so when we do harm to another, we do harm not only to God's creation, but we do harm to the image of God that exists in the world. Right? So don't murder. Be careful of how we treat and speak of one another. The next commandment is adultery, how we use others for our own self and desires and how that can break up families and lives. Stealing that what you have, I just decide I can take for myself. Right? And all the other ways that we can steal life from others. Right? All of these get expanded and expounded upon by Jesus. False testimony, how I talk about you, creates images for others. So do I honor you and how I speak of you to others? Otherwise, I bear false testimony. That's why gossip is a sin. Gossip goes, you know what, let me take your worst moments. Let me take some of these points where you, you and, and I'm going to make that the image that people see instead of believing the best, instead of forgiving, instead of being gracious. Right? These are guides and guardrails for us. And finally, coveting means in my heart. It gets, some, it gets deeper at, at what's going on inside of us. Man, I may not do these things, but I want what you have. I'm running after my neighbor's wife, their ox, their donkey, as the commandments say, their stuff. And, 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 and in that, my, my desires, my heart is not in a place that honors, loves, respects. No, it's a place of selfishness. Right? These guides and guardrails were meant for us. To point us in a way that brings honor, represents God, but also brings honor to others whom God has created. Now, if we continue on in the Exodus story, these guides um, we see don't work for long. Little cartoon. Then he said that we shouldn't make any graven images. And here, and what are you hiding there? Anybody see the golden calf? Right, not, not but a couple chapters later, 40 days later, Moses goes and spends 40 days with God. They can see God's presence in this cloud, right? They know Moses is up there. Now, I, I mean, I might be a little anxious that our leader's been gone for a little while, right, like Israel. But as he's communing with God, they know they're not even supposed to touch this mountain he's on, otherwise they're going to die. They go instantly to, you know what, hey, Let's break commandments one and two, right? We're not just going to worship God. We're, we're going to make something kind of like Egypt. Remember, it's kind of hard to get Egypt out of us, right? This cloud isn't good enough. What God has done for us isn't good enough. We want something more from God. God's got to be something different for us. We can't find our rest and contentment in him. We need to make for ourselves something that we think will help us because we know better than he does. But isn't that the truth for all of us? Yeah, Israel fails. But I don't know about you. Looking at those Ten Commandments, how well do you do at those every day? I know I'm not so hot. The way that I talk about others, the way that I treat others. I'd like to say I try. How many of you would like to say we try? And yet, what does the law oftentimes do? While it guides us and it's a guardrail for us, 
There's one more use of the law that God has for us. And it's this, it becomes a mirror for us. That we see ourselves more fully for who we are. And that as much as our story begins as being a rescued people belonging to God, it's a story that needs to continue each and every day. That I'm a rescued person belonging to God. And I still need that rescue today. The Apostle Paul, the follower of Jesus, writes this in Romans. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth made me silent and the whole world held accountable to God. Right? Therefore, no one will be t- declared righteous, will be declared right, perfect. It, no one is going to make God happy, no matter how much of a good person you are. Sorry, it doesn't work. Because the law will keep pointing out our failures. Right? The whole world will be held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Right? It holds a mirror up for us. But here's the good news. But now apart from the law, the righteousness, the rightness of God has been made known. Right? The law was, according to Galatians, only meant there to take care of us for, for a little while. And it's to which this law and prophets testify, this righteousness of God. The righteousness, the rightness is given through faith in who? Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Right? No longer is it about Israel or not Israel. Jew, Gentile. It's about Jesus. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. All have sinned, but all are justified. So what does the law do? It guides us, right? It's a guardrail for us in our lives. The law, as much as it guides us in how to lean into and live into the flourishing of God's kingdom and his humanity, right? There's God saying, hey, here's how you can represent me in this world. This is my brand. These are my brand rules, okay? The law, the law also reminds us that God's brand is Jesus. And that at the end of the day, we continue to need him each and every day. Because under the law, I cannot stand. It reminds me of my need for something more. It reminds me as a rescued person, I need that rescue each and every day. And God gives that rescue each and every day. So like in baptism, we're not anchored in our goodness We're anchored in God's goodness, Jesus Christ. We're not anchored in our ability to get it right or even in our wrongness. Because actually we can witness to God's goodness even when we fail. You know how we do that? By asking for forgiveness, by repenting, by saying we're sorry to people. By trying to make up for what we've done wrong. 
right? We can, we can represent God even in our failings. Talk about the goodness of God. That not only at our best, but at our worst, we can still represent him because of his grace and his mercy. That's his story. That's his promise gifted to us. Because he rescued us and brought, him to, brought us to himself. All he asks us to do is to live in light of it. To let these waters day in and day out wash over us, feed us, refresh us, speak to us, nourish us. So, the goodness of God, we're called to worship and represent him. I can say, yeah, how you doing? Why? Because it's good to reflect, to know and understand. How are we doing? How am I living? But in the same breath, to be able to go, God, thank you. Thank you that you work bigger than me. Your work is bigger than me. It's fuller than what I can do. You're more than what I could accomplish. Thank you for your forgiveness when I don't get it right. Thank you for the energy and, and your goodness to me when I do. But that this is my story, Jesus. That he's my son. Let's pray. God, thank you again for your goodness in Christ. Thank you that we are a rescued people who belong to you. God, help us today to just let that reality set in on us. To let your truth become real for us. That truth that you love us and have brought us to yourself because that continues to be the anchor on which we stand and which we were being held and that we hold on to. As much as, God, that is the truth, you also invite us to worship you, to represent you. And for all the times, God, that in a day we, we do that well, we give you honor and praise because that's your spirit alive in us, working helping us, leading us, guiding us. It's all the times we've read the scriptures and, and they become real for us and, and, and we, we get it. We just know, hey, God, this is what we're supposed to do. And in the very same breath, God, we say, forgive us. Because we know we don't represent you perfectly. We don't follow all of your rules that lead to life. We confuse our position with yours. So Lord, forgive us. And in your grace and mercy, may we continue to keep living. Because you don't push us down, you lift us up. Father, and as we look to your law, help us to learn it and have a passion for what you have to speak to us and what you have to guide us. Or there are plenty of things that we wrestle with. I know I wrestle with in the scriptures. And, and what does this really look like to live in this moment, in this way, honoring you? There are questions, God, that the Bible um, certainly isn't clear upon them on, on questions we have in the world today and what to do. And so we continue to need your guidance 
your direction, your spirit to not only speak through your scriptures, but to speak the truth in community and in life together. God, so we can represent you well. And at the end of the day, as much of the beginning, as a rescued people, give us the confidence to keep living in light of the rescue. That we live in freedom. We don't have to be looking over our shoulders, wondering, questioning, whoa, did I do enough today? We can be assured that we are loved in you. So continue to transform our hearts and our lives in that truth. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all God's children say, amen. We invite you to stand and sing with us. Oh
God's treasured possession, a people rescued and belonging to God out of his goodness and love for you. So live in light of that. Represent him to the best of your ability. And when you don't worship him well in your life, represent him through asking for forgiveness, forgiving it to others by living that grace and mercy in this world and in this community. So our world needs it. As you go to live in that truth, as God's holy nation, people belonging to him, a treasured possession, receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children say, amen. Go in peace. If you want to help stack some chairs, we'd appreciate that. If you want to hang out and chat, feel free as well.